All right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. My name, of course, Stone Mountain 64. Today, joined by Dan Mitri, who I will intro in a hot second here. But if you guys have never joined in on one of these um, before the Facebook Lives, these are uh, kind of like my streams, which obviously we have. Dan, you might want to mute your mic when you're not talking to. I think it might pick it up a little. Um, but these are, as you see what we're even doing here, and let me know if my mic's good too when we get going on it. But uh, these are like brand new audio rooms that we've got going on on Facebook. Obviously, you guys are similar or probably more familiar with my actual live streams and all that. But this is kind of a cool way to actually access Facebook uh, and still go live even with a guest. We can even bring you guys on from the audience, which is pretty sick as well. Although uh, we're, we're, we got about six episodes lined up. Some of you guys joined in the last one. It was actually joined in with my wife. And we got that episode is now up for a previous one as well. And we're going to have even more coming. Uh which is pretty awesome. Today's guest, though, we got Mr. Dan Mitri. This man I met, how long ago did we meet, Dan? It must have been, was it in Battlefield Hardline times? This was Hardline, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you had just kicked off your YouTube channel. I think you, were, you still had a day job at the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was still working, and, um, man, yeah, Battlefield Hardline, and then Battlefield 1, uh, so I guess give people kind of an introduction to you and your your background a bit. <laughs> uh, sure. Outside of uh, content creator influencer whisperer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, no, I've been in the gaming industry oh, coming up here on two decades. I've been I've been in gaming for about eighteen years. I started off in retail at GameStop, you know hucking around the, the GameStop, the Game Informer subscriptions and selling games and bringing in, you know, used systems. Went on and graduated into game testing, where if you ever seen Grandma's Boy, literally, I, I can't back then. It was chaotic. It was a jungle. It was a pit of gamers just coming in and having fun and, and playing video games all day. I graduated again from there. And went into the marketing side and ran my own communities around, uh, we'll get into it sometime. Um, uh, earlier, it was a Korean basketball game called Freestyle Street Basketball. It was RPG elements. Well, from there, I grew and I went into, uh, I, I spent some time at Sega. You know, so I got to work on the Sonic the Hedgehog franchise. I spent some time at THQ, where I worked on uh, Homefront and the MX versus ATV franchise did some time a little bit with activision blizzard and then you and i met uh when i was at electronic arts you know and battlefield was very very uh, uh beneficial to us and our growth as as professionals and now i'm here at ubisoft and leading our com community developers on some of the world's biggest franchises like assassin's creed rainbow six so all yeah. of that has been uh, foundational in, in who I am and, and my, I do community. I live and breathe community. Yeah, man. So uh, was, was Battlefield the first like game you started to work on at EA with? Because, I mean, you were working on the community management side or, I mean, you have been obviously for a really long time, but was that where you started and kind of, was I, did I meet you kind of early on at EA there? You did, yeah. So, so I joined EA to lead up the global community efforts for the Battlefield franchise. So I came in just as Battlefield 4 launched. So if you remember that, oh, wow, okay. 
we had issues with net code. It, there was rubber banding left and right. It was, it was a mess. And it took us some time to dial in that net code. Uh, so I cut my teeth in a very tumultuous environment in terms of server stability and community feedback. And then that paved way to where you and I had met. I think just on the tail end of that as we were going into hardline. Yeah, I had done a couple things. Um, I, I think the first thing I was ever invited to with EA was uh, for Titanfall. For I think it was the first Titanfall. There was an event in L.A. that I got to go to and um, met a couple people there. It was kind of just like a gameplay capture event. And then after that, I got I, I kind of got into the Battlefield side of things and got some invites. And I think... Was that were you part of like creating the game changer program at that time and and running that was that like talk to me a bit about that whole whole entire thing for anybody who's never heard of that um so I worked with my longtime colleague uh, and mentor Chris Mansell Chris Mansell, one of his visions yeah. coming into uh and was worked with his boss Adam uh, to million to bring about this program which we coined as Game Changers, that essentially brings in some of our most notable time spent in the game, you know, they open up their, their wallets, whatever that may be, they engage with mm -hmm. us in our channels, they are a staple in our community. The goal here was to bring them behind closed doors and to develop better games, to really get critical on the components in our game, everything from gameplay features to monetization and business model or how we present marketing. This was just kicking off. We were in a really good groove. We took the the core foundation that was run on Madden over here to Battlefield. And you were a part of that, man. You were a right. part of yep. the members of the Battlefield Game Changers group. Yeah, I, I remember there was like, you know, just going to the hotel. I think it was in San Francisco. And there was, there was a couple people who I think they had already gone to a couple like earlier game changers programs for it. And then I got invited to one of them. And then I think that was when I kind of started to get, but that was where I met a ton of people that I'm still, you know, good friends with today through all the content. And, uh, you know, it was just, it, it was such a crazy experience too, for me too, because like, obviously I had just been playing games my whole, you know, experience my whole life. I never knew anything about the, and I still barely know anything about the development side of it, honestly, but it was cool to, have that experience to see some of the content early to capture it, to be the person who's even like talking about like, Hey, these are the features for the game. This is what's coming with some of the updates or whatever it was. Uh, and then to even be part of some of the launches of the games. Cause even like coming into battlefield one, you know, being on the team, the, my own team versus Neebs gaming team for that entire launch, I guess when you're thinking about, and uh, you know, when you're thinking about launching games or, or going into any of that, like, is that part, how does that, I guess, affect the community management side versus, like, even the marketing side of it? Because I sure, I'm sure, like, you know, there's certain things that are maybe conflicting or helping with it. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a very broad question. There's a lot that goes into our planning, right? Uh, so, yeah. you know, here at Ubisoft, and I, and I would say this is extension to all all community work. Uh, we really dig into engagement plans, and those engagement plans are holistic in the two main major phases of a game. That's pre-launch, 
and then that's live or, or, or the live service, right? And every game, whether it's single player, multiplayer, a free to play, has those major phases. And in that earlier, the earlier phase, the first one, you know, before we go into launch, it's really about establishing our communities, establishing the prominent and notable voices, and establishing the capabilities our community can provide us in our campaigns, whether it's advocating and amplifying our messaging to providing a, a genuine word of mouth amplification. That's what you do. You were instrumental in that. You yeah. Know, you came in with a certain perspective and you said, I like Battlefield or, or first person shooter games because of X, Y, Z. And, and you were not afraid to provide, afraid to provide that feedback to our developers. And we took that to heart. We made some changes based off of what you had said, along with like Jack Frags and the Neebs gaming guy, Pony Lion. Mm -hmm. um, and so in this pre, pre-launch phase is all about getting great feedback from our communities to establish the game, tonality, the brand pillars, as well as optimizing that game. So when we do launch, it's something that resonates with our players. And in that whole phase, we're also digging into the marketing side of things, right? So we work closely with our brand partners to establish the content that goes on our channels that ultimately engages, keep, it, keep people interested in the game, and they'll have a stronger propensity to fire it up when it's available. Well, you rinse and repeat that as you go into launch with a different sort of perspective that now, instead of hyping up and getting people to download the game, we're here to keep people around and coming mm -hmm. back and playing more. So that's why everything that precedes launch or precedes launch is important that we dial in so that experience in the live phase is even more stickier, whether it's how we talk about the game, how the game is played, or by extension, how you create content on that and then excite others to join in. You see, it's all a holistic ecosystem yeah. that is always living and breathing, and it comes down to real time being reactive to our communities and what they're saying. You know that very well. You manage yeah. your own communities. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. But that's what it's like. It's, it's hard to keep all of the people in mind as well as you're kind of figuring that out. I guess, like, what kind of channels do you even use? Like, do you try and monitor Twitter? Like, like what are some of the is, – is it the forums that you, like, look the most at? Is it a combination of everything, I'm sure, to a degree? But, like, is there something that even you've learned over the time? Like, oh, this is this is a really valuable channel of information, maybe even more so than something else that you look towards? Yeah, we look at all channels, and one size yeah. doesn't fit all, you know. Um, and some communities, let's say like the division, they're, they're a hell lot more hardcore in like red and discord, right. whereas, you know, assassins may take more to Twitter. Um, so it's really having a good community manager that knows how their communities interact with us and the channels they go to, to get the information right. or to converse with whatever they're, they're passionate about and developing strategies to ensure that those are healthy environments, removing toxicity, you know, providing yeah. the information that we need so that everybody's welcomed and that you still have what you need to continue enjoying the experiences that we created for you. So we look at it holistically. Yeah, it's true, right? Like sometimes people just, even if you're trying to get them to use one channel, like a forum or something, like they're just going to be, maybe they're just all on Reddit or maybe they're just all on, or wherever they are, you kind of got to meet them halfway to a degree. And so that can always be, uh, that can be kind of tough with it though, no? It can be. If you, is, you know? is it like, is it hard to find the right people to, because I, I know that's something even just in my own teams is like trying to manage everything that's going on or comments or things that are going on with it. Like, I mean, do, are you bringing, even bringing those people on? Like how big is even your team on, on that to help you with it? Maybe yeah, that's changed so over time too. 
so I think what you're getting into is resource allocation, you know, sure. distributing uh, uh, the ability to do work and getting the right people in place. So here at Ubisoft, we have a, a division of duties, whereas other community managers and, and other publishers take on two roles. So here we, we, have two, we have two separate roles. One is community management. They're the ones in channel. They're the ones that are taking our messaging, any tricky Q&A or FAQs, and helping players through some of their issues, as well as surfacing that feedback to the other side of the, the responsibilities. That's our comm devs. And our community developers are actually the ones setting the strategy. What do we say? How do we take the information, the people that are saying what they're saying, and interpret that in a way that all of our cross-functional teams can benefit from and guide in their decision-making, whether it's setting forth a different activation, making a change to the game. You know, so we have the benefit of those two heads. We're a, kind of this two community managers have to yeah. take on that role in, a, in a, essentially themselves. I mean, do you think that's something that's like ideal? Like, is there something for you where it's like, man, I, if, if I could have even a more ideal situation, I'd have it. So it's even more split up or is it, is there like, is it still developing on that front? Because obviously you've been doing this for a long time too, but it, I feel like it's still relatively new, the whole just community management online and everything to a degree as well. Pros and cons, right? So the more people that you have on a team, the more scalable you are. Scalability is important, especially as your game takes off. It grows, especially in a free-to-play environment where daily interaction is important, and it takes people to do that. The, yeah. the con of that is people communicating with each other internally. Mm -hmm. are, they, are they holding scrums? Are they holding daily meetings in which they're talking about what's coming up and what's important to the community? And sometimes those details are lost through translation, through language barriers, through uh, different perspectives. So there's that, right? The other side of the coin is if it was all centralized to one person, you can make decisions quicker. Yes, mm -hmm. but you're not scalable. Only one person can do so much in an eight-hour day or 12-hour in a crunch time, you know. Um, so, yes, decision-making may be quicker, but you're losing out on the full visibility, the whole spectrum of what community offers. So it's a, it takes a healthy balance there and ultimately comes down to <laughs> expert communication among team members. Yeah. I mean, even for my own teams, it's like, I want to continue to expand what I'm doing, but it's also, I don't want to go too big with everything. Like, cause like I'm even considering now, like maybe my next step is get a building, hire a team of like 10 more people with editors, with more community managers. Maybe we develop different like top plays series and create that into a whole new channel or like all of these other things. But if I want to do all of that too, it's going to take so much more to manage it, to hire people for it, to make the decisions, more stuff coming back to me. And then it's like, if something breaks in that chain, uh, then it's like, okay, then everything, there's just more fires to put out with it too. So it's like, I don't even know if I, like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of good with where I'm at with it to a degree of, but I still want to keep pushing, but it's like, how do I keep on managing all that? I'm sure, you know, this is something that's just part of just business in general, but it's kind of interesting to hear your side of that, especially on the community, especially at the crazy scale that some of these games are and the sheer volume of feedback that you get on it, especially because to me, it's like, you know, this is a paid product in a lot of ways that people are getting a lot of the stuff that I just put out is just free. So it's like, you know, and to a degree too, you know, some of the games are free as well, but it's like, if you don't like it, then they'll watch the content to a degree. So it's, 
you know, I, I, I don't know. It's, it gives me some uh, interesting insight with it. But I guess, like, how is that even going for you with, obviously, you working at Ubisoft now? I haven't really checked in with you in the, in the recent times, I guess, in terms of uh, that. You mentioned before we even hopped on the call a couple games, a couple initiatives that you're working on right now. Um, I mean, talk to me about some of that. Yeah, so, you know, one point you brought up, look, you're a businessman, you're an entrepreneur, you know, in order to grow and scale, you ultimately need to build agency with your, your teammates, and you need to give them the, them the autonomy under a single vision, uh, a leadership guidance that you set, right? Yeah. And at one point, you need to let the reins go. You need to toss the keys and let someone else chauffeur, and then you, you ride in the back, you know, okay, tell me, I'm going to go here, go there, go there, but it really comes down to confidence, in your employees and confidence in your teams that they are aligned with your values, your, your yeah. morals and where you need to take the business and then giving them the tools to be successful. And so that's where it comes down to people management. So as much as I can rattle on about business acumen and strategy, that's half the, the equation. You know, the other part of the formula is, is people and their growth and allowing them to feel that they have, autonomy over over their roles and their disciplines so i'm always working at growth of our employees yeah. working on opening up new opportunities and career pathing um especially as an associate director i mean that's that's my responsibility to ensure that our teams have what they need to be successful and meet the commitments that we've made towards our executives and other cross-functional partners so there's a lot that goes into it. We're just scratching the surface on that. Yeah, but yeah. That's always a challenge, right? No, it's you true. Even, a... e even with like my editors, it's, you know, that's been such a process for me. Like when I was first just bringing on some of my first editors and it was like, okay, I'm trying to train them up. I'm trying to, you know, but there, there's a whole lot of opportunity with it. Like I've got this guy part-time working on a couple additional videos a week for me. So I could, instead of doing three, I could do four and five. And, but it's like, you very well could take over everything. You could like you can continue to level up and do all of these other things. And then I ended up bringing on another editor, dropped both those, brought out a different one, and like it's been an entire path of evolution over all these years. And now it's like the editing team that I now have is so solid that it is something where it's like I'm just gonna let you go with it. And the thing is too is like even to this like the speed of getting stuff done, a lot of it I feel like I just let people, you know, just just make a decision do something, you know, because if you're thinking about it the right way, then it's like, okay, even if it doesn't work, we'll still take something away from it. We'll continue to improve off of it. And so that's a lot of what the mentality is. Um, it absolutely but, yeah. is. It's an evolutionary process, you know. So so I've been in community for quite some time. And I think in any industry professional, really in any, in any industry, can relate to this. Uh, you come in with a certain vision in place, you know. So I, I joined yeah. my, my, my partner, Chris Mansell, uh, here at the beginning of the year. Chris had a, a good year ahead of me at Ubisoft. And our goal here has been to build a great foundation of community managers using the talent that we have now. And I got to tell you, there's some awesome talent here. You know, some good minds that have been leading some amazing franchises here. Like, yeah. like I said, Division, Rainbow Six. Oh, yeah. uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising was a, a new entry into the Ubisoft portfolio, and that was a fun, whimsical game. But there's talent behind this that makes it all possible. And we wanted to, as the old adage goes, you know, raise the tide so all, blo all boats continue mm -hmm. to float. And so we've been very focused on establishing what good community management is at Ubisoft and redefining that. And then saying, okay, what programs and frameworks and enterprise to be 
present in order to form more connective tissues with our cross-functional teams to bring these games online, create awesome experiences for our communities to get involved with. And that's not just, you know, all the back-end stuff that people don't see. That is half of it. But it's also how we talk about our games with our players, those awesome activations. If you remember right, um, one, of the, one of the activations that you and I got to connect on was the Battlefield 1 uh, we took over Novo Live in downtown Los Angeles. You were one of 32 core Battlefield players that were teamed up with 32 celebrities. Yeah, that... <laughs> dude, that was like, I, I remember you told me, I, I don't remember exactly when it was, but you were telling me that I was going to be playing with Snoop Dogg yeah. on my team. And I was just like, uh, you know, I, I was going to be one of the team captains, you know, I didn't even know exactly who it was going to be, but you're basically like, you know, we're going to have these celebrities as part of the activation too. And I, I just, I thought at that moment that I was like, at least before I even went to it, I was like, I don't typically even do vlogs or do like do stuff like that, but I knew I had to do it for this event. Like I feel, I felt like this is going to be so crazy. Like this is, this is the, this is such an opportunity that I've got to capture this. I've got it. And it felt so weird, like holding my phone out and, or, or the, the camera. And, uh, you know, it just, it, it was so weird to actually do it, but it, it, it was like changing for me in terms of like my own growth with it. And then also being able to capture the game and to do that and like be a part of something that was such a major activation. Like this is the first, it was the first ever gameplay reveal of, battlefield one which was like such a highly anticipated game that it was you know it was it was a really insane moment and i guess like even like on that front was that something that you were heading up like the planning of like okay this is how we want to unveil it and like this is how we want to bring the community in for it yeah i'm glad you asked so there was months months of planning that went into that. That's just not something that happens overnight, <laughs> let alone the agencies that we have to work with, you know, the, the SAGs, the AFRAs, like all of the actors' yeah. guilds and the music, the music. Like there's a lot of work that goes into that. And so it really does start with, okay, what's our milestone? What's our, what's our big opportunity here? We've got to unveil Battlefield 1. Well, how do we do this that's innovative, fun, and connects with the audience while still selling the unique selling points of the game, you know, the right. sandbox environment, the, uh, the triangle trifecta, the rock, paper, scissors sort of mm -hmm. gameplay. There's always a balance, you know, there's always a, a weakness and a strength, uh, while still conveying that this is battlefield without being too much of a marketing stunt, right. you know, where it's kind of like, Ugh, that's cheesy. Yeah. And so months of preparation went into that. We, we dialed in the strategy, we dialed in our budgets and we dialed in who we want, who, it was a very curated list, by the way. It wasn't just throwing darts on a board, you know, having Zac Efron's face next to Terry Crews, like, who do we go with? These sure. were hand-selected, and you were hand-selected to join Snoop Dogg because of that, the dynamic audience, that, that, how that dynamic, dynamic kind of worked with each other. And then when we made it happen, that's where all of this months of feverish work and just, you know, late nights of, of trying to persuade or getting logistics lined up from live stream to additional content. Once this all comes to a head and we see this unfold at, <laughs> at Novo Live where yeah. there are uncontrollable elements and yeah. one of those uncontrollable elements happened 
So, so this all came to a head, and it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful serenade of, of a, a syncopated orchestra firing off all, all at once, right? But there's, there's unexplained elements or unforeseen elements that happen. Snoop Dogg yeah. lights, up, lights up a joint live <laughs> on camera next to you. It catches, yeah. there's gifts everywhere. Literally, everybody was kind of intoxicated after that stream because the whole yeah. place was not ventilated very well. And so that just led to a cultural moment in gaming. And it that did. had it. Additional amplification. Go ahead. Even like um, there was memes online of, you know, like the smoke coming in the map. It's just like the fog. Like the map gets foggy at a point. And so like it turned into an entire meme of like, you know, Snoop Dogg doing that. And it was was funny because I remember it was like on camera for a bit. And I didn't even realize, uh, you know, the perspective of the audience on it because I was actually playing in it. So I didn't have chat. I didn't have comments. I had to, you know, wait till everything was over. And, you know, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to capture the moment of what it is. So I don't even know what's going on for it, but it was actually really funny too at the time, because uh, I remember there was uh, some of the staff came over and they're like, uh, you know, at first I thought they were going to tell them to like, put it out and, you know, stop smoking. But they're like, uh, you know what, let's get him an ashtray guy. Let's get him an ashtray. And like, you know, they just, they just brought over and, and, and everybody just kept on going and, you know, it just, the whole stream kept happening, but it was, it was such an insane like event. Cause even like the game went like one, one and it went to the, but like to see it all just unfolding live after all that preparation too, like you don't even know what's going to happen on the day. Like there's nothing that you can, especially with how many variables you're putting in with all these celebrities. Like that was a lot, a lot of, cele- even like before going into it, I remember I had the, uh, I, I was one of the team captains, so like me, Level Cap, and a couple other guys stayed, and we were like training up some of the celebrities on like how to play. I'm showing, you know, I'm sitting next to Zach Efron, Wiz, and Snoop are over my shoulder. I'm teaching them like, okay, this is like some of the movements. These are some of the things you could do. This is going to be some of our strategy going into it. I'm going to try and drive you around. You sit on the turret. We'll try and blow some stuff up. But like, I, I feel like it went insane. Like, I, it, even like my vlog afterwards been insane. It's still like a, a giant thing on my channel. Like, teamwork make a dream work is still like <laughs> my sound effect on my thing of that Snoop Dogg saying it. And it's like, it was such an, it was just such an incredible event. It felt like to where like it didn't even. And I, I don't know the you know overall. Feel, I feel like the overall feel. Maybe I'm biased, you know, being inside of it as well. But like, it felt like it was a great release. Um, or like, you know, hype for the moment for, for what it was. And that doesn't always happen with game reveals to your point of like, sometimes it does come off too cheesy or, or whatever it is. It was the, the perfect, it was, it was a perfect moment. It was a perfect storm. It went, it went with it. You know, we met our objective on this. So we brought in 32 of the best streamers and content creators, 32 awesome celebrities. It got us the headlines it showed yeah. Battlefield 1 for what it was and the gameplay mm-hmm. and the way people play it, okay? And I want to yeah. comment on the Battlefield franchise here for a minute, too, was that for years, internally, we were asking a lot of our marketing teams, show the game the way people play it, not the way we intend them to play it. And I feel mm-hmm. that's what happened on that was people, you know, like he may dabble in games, like right. but he's music, he's entertainment. And so showing him playing the way he plays, it was hilarious, especially with a team captain like yourself who knows how to play the game. So I love that juxtaposition that happened, and that's entertainment. And that's ultimately what we're selling here is genuine, fun entertainment. If it's not fun to watch on the outside, why the hell are you going to pick it up and play?
And so I feel, mm-hmm. I feel like that was a very successful event. Now, going back to my original point here, what yeah. you've got to show Battlefield the way it's, it's played by our players. And i got to tell you, man, that Battlefield 2042 trailer is hot. Woo. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah, good, they dude. did. They did. It, it was so good to like see like the things they brought back from like Battlefield Four, Battlefield Three. Some of these moments that that happened in these other games, like they're bringing them into it. Like, man, what a trailer that was, though, right? Like, yeah, that was great. That was really good because again, it shows the way people play Battlefield, not the way EA yeah. or or Dice intends them to play it. And I hope out of that that they see a rich community coming back. And that's what we're always focused on here in community is, is, is a lot of different cohorts, lapsed players, those who gave up, those who got tired of the franchise. Is there a reason to come back? I think that Battlefield 2042 trailer certainly gave me a reason to come back after some of the, the latest iterations. Um, hardcore fans, does this pay homage to the core Battlefield fans who come back for the same sort of experience but with a new innovative twist? You know, you're in that bucket, you know, yeah. like – are you going to be able to do awesome yellow? I hope so, Seven. man. I Yeah, I really hope so. And that was one of the things, too. Like, even back in the day in, like, Battlefield 3, there was cer- certain things that just worked well, especially because I was on calls at the time. So, like, there was even ways to set it so your audio can go to the entire team all at one time. And that was one of the reasons that, like, I could get really good reactions from people because I was talking to 10 or 15 people at the same time rather than just a three-man squad. So it's kind of like, how big is the squad? Because then that's more potential for microphones and for, you know, moments as well as just the gameplay itself. How easy is it for me to stay alive for a long time? It's like those are some of the things that I get to look at. And, like, that's what I'm, I'm hopeful that it's going to be really good for. Uh, but even just, like, the moments and what the gameplay looks to be is, like, they, they've, they're certainly painting a great picture on it. And so, like, and, and to me, everything I see, like, the community is hyped. People are gamers. Everybody is hyped for it. So it's going to be really interesting to see, like, How's the delivery then on that? And like, how's the experience feel like with it too? Yeah, that's really important. So you're asking the right questions. And as a community manager or leading our community, we try to anticipate those responses as best as possible. And we have the best pulse on the community because we're in the trenches with our players. Many times we have the same frustrations. We play our Right. I encourage all of my community managers, play the game. You Be the user of the drug that you're pushing, right? Because you're going to understand uh, the nuances, whether it's fun or, posit- or positive or negative, and then we can develop strategies and content to address that. If there's an issue with TTK, we're going to lift – we're going right. to bring that to our, our dev teams, and we're going to make changes, and we're going to show you, the community, those iterative, progressive changes we've made to hopefully instill confidence that the TTK – is exactly what you expect going right. into a, a battle royale first-person shooter, whatever it may be. Is it different, like going into like some of the projects that you're working on at Ubisoft now? Like, are you trying to bring some of what your past experience was at? Like, are you trying to create like a game changers type program or something there? Like, or I, I mean, I guess I don't know what you can specifically go into as well, but like, um, is that something that you're focused on in that area as well? Yes. Um, so without breaking NDAs, of course, uh, but uh, my focus here is to feed two different objectives. Uh, number one, that's talking about our games in, in public environments. So across social channels, wherever our communities come. 
forget the Reddits, the Discords, the Facebook, the Twitters, wherever people come to talk about our games and share their experience. We want to, we want to uh, not only pull in feedback and bring that feedback insight to our, our, our internal teams, but we want to talk about the games the way our players talk about them and be on the forefront and engage with their passion and, and give them a reason to fire the game back up or come right. back to our channels and engage with us. Now, the other side is to facilitate great gameplay improvements, game, uh, feedback. And that, that's done through feedback workshops, through analyzing social data, what's the keywords that people are saying, at what mm. volume is it, you know, is it – is it 1,000 people talking about an issue, or is it 100,000 people? And what's right. the sentiment behind it? Is it a positive thing? Is it a negative thing? And what's the conversation drivers? Is it TTK? Is it Hitbox? Is it server issues? And we take this data, and we arm ourselves as community developers, and we go to our production teams. We go to our marketing teams and say, hey, with this latest update that just came out, this is what our players are saying. Mm. And in our experience, looking at history, player behavior, DAU, or d daily active users, to monetization churn, our recommendation is that we adjust our marketing campaign in order to address some of the concerns that our community has. Or, hey, you might want to go take a look at TTK and start dialing in some more of your abilities to extend that from 500 milliseconds to 150. And that can right. really add a lot of positivity with our players and, the, and would then extend retention on the game sure. if people like the ttk and mm -hmm. they feel good and successful they're going to want to come back and, and have that experience again it gives them that dopamine hit right so yeah that's what that is the content side how do we talk about our games and then how do we how do we contribute to making better games and is it usually like is it the game director who's like the one who makes the majority of those like bigger decisions is it does it depend on the game, like where those, because like you can present the information, but then how does it actually get translated into the game can be like, there can be a whole bunch of problems with changing this or, you know, like all these other factors that obviously the developers kind of know more about, like where, where does kind of the decision come down to with it? On, the, on what's being decided, you know, so, so if it's mm. dialing in, say like TTK or making some map adjustments or an ability change, many a time we'll go to a live producer or an, or an executive producer. And that executive producer then has the visibility and the, the, uh, the authority to make changes and tell their teams, right. now you need to go do this. Because one change does not mean just a single little insular, like, one change. It yeah. Means you know, so it impacts servers. It impacts uh, UI. So that's why, you know, I think as gamers, we all need to understand that just getting a change in isn't just a flip, a flip of a switch. There's a whole systematic approach to it because everything is interlinked with each other. Now, the bigger game decisions of, say, changing content scope, how many maps there are, or changing the gameplay experience altogether comes down to an executive producer, you know. And so, like, hmm. On a base, Mark Rubin. Mark Rubin is ex-COD. He's heading up ex-Defiant, as we've seen in, in one of his yeah. recent letters. Um, and we're working with him to really dial in the ex-Defiant experience, you know, keeping it fast-paced and fresh and fun and innovative and a unique take on the arena shooter experience. That's awesome. I, I mean, there's just – there is so much that goes into it, and 
especially just being somebody who has no experience with it too. Sometimes it is like, you know, let's, let's do some of this. And I definitely did even think that more before I've done, you know, now I even have been part of some of these processes. So I've had the chance to talk to developers and to, you know, give some feedback where normally you do often have another layer there before, you know, whether it's a community manager or whatever for it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a very, uh, it's such a, it's like such a deep world to it that I feel like, I don't know, it's just kind of cool to see. And it's, it's cool to see, you know, you've always been just a super interesting guy to meet, to chat with at these events, at everything that's going on. And it's cool to see you still doing cool new stuff with uh, Ubisoft too. Well, likewise, man, we both have grown so much yeah. since we've met each other. You know, you've got an incredible channel. You're, you're, you've got side projects. I know you've been working with uh, a colleague of yours as well on a platform. Uh, hell, I ventured out of a couple of years and ran my own esports investment company. You know, yeah. where I, I took a whole shell to the Canadian Securities Exchange, where it's now pu still publicly traded to this day. Um, granted, like COVID really screwed up a lot of, you know, our, uh, revenues across the board, especially in in-person event companies. Like we made, yeah. we, we were making some good coin a quarter over quarter prior to the pandemic hitting. We were forced yeah. to shut that down. And so that's fine. That's okay. You roll the punches as mm -hmm. any entrepreneurial knows, you know, you roll with the punches, you capitalize on the opportunities you have at the moment, and then you move on no time to cry you move on and so now i'm back in the publisher world <laughs> yeah but i mean you've always like every time i've seen you at an event seen you doing anything like it seems like you really enjoy it and like i mean obviously you've been doing it for a really long time even before all this too so uh that's what i mean like it's it's cool to see you see you at it and see the see the everything develop with it and obviously like your experience keeps on going with it and like that experience is you know, even just the questions that even I'm asking you today is like, it's nice to hear that on my side to see where I can apply it for my own things. Right. Cause I feel like still in a lot of ways, like community management is such a difficult thing. Um, and I don't feel like it's going to get any easier with, you know, bigger scale on games, on communities, on live streams, YouTube, whatever the case is. It's like, there's so many people and so many voices with it that it's, you know, and you want to get people's feedback, you want to implement, you want people to have a good time, to have a good experience with what it is, but it's also really hard to manage that for everybody because you make one decision, you say one thing, then it's going to piss off a whole bunch of other people as well. So it's also like, where do you want to come from with it? And uh, it's just such an interesting web of everything. Like, I just feel like all the perspective, all the insight I can get is, is uh, valuable. There's little room for error, I'll tell you yeah. that, you know, and one one misstep can be a a just a destructive domino uh, yeah. reaction. And that's why it takes people who are seasoned or people who exhibit two main qualities. Look, uh, I'll address here. Absolutely. It's it's not for everybody. you got to have a thick, a thick hide. Um, you can't take things personally, but I think we have a tendency to make it more daunting than it really is. And if you exhibit two qualities, you, you give yourself an advantage going into it. Number one, that's pragmatism, being pragmatic, thinking things rationally and logically, not only for the sound decision of the business, what the business needs, what the game needs, but what the players need too. be human through it, man. You know, yeah. like you were not robots. We're not here like shoveling off some sort of like, 
I don't know, back-end Bitcoin transaction, like uh, white glove service that never sees really any people, right? Sure. These are real people involved here. And so that's where the second quality of empathy comes into play. Mm -hmm. If you're a pragmatic, empathetic person, you're the best of both worlds because you can think logically, but you can also apply human elements to it. So that way it comes off as genuine. It comes off as, yeah, we're listening to you. We care right. about what you need. And so those guide our decisions in everything that we do. Um, we're not here to, we're not self-serving. We're here to serve the, the, the all. Yeah. You know? and, and many times our community representatives are a part of the communities themselves. They're right. just a paid internal representative that has influence over business decisions. And so that's, that's what I've been focused on. You know, I've been an individual contributor for many years in my career. I'm done with that. You know, mm -hmm. now I'm, I'm building up the new generation of community managers to go and lead the next greatest games out there, the next battlefields, the next car. Yeah. And if I could, if I can impart my experience onto the new school of community with the new landscapes that are forming the new channels, just like this new Facebook live audio, there's always going to be something new to connect with our communities right. on. If they have the good foundations to run and innovate, bam, I've done my job. Dude, that's awesome. Well, I wrote that down. I'm going to keep that uh, saved and in mind all the time. I can guarantee you that. Um, but yeah, man, listen, I appreciate you joining in. We're getting a little bit over on time, so I do want to call it there. Is there anything else that you want to say or anything you'd like, like to plug? If anybody wants to check you out, is there a good place to go? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not a big plugger. Um, I outside, <laughs> <laughs> outside of uh, my, my day job, you know, working in, in community currently at Ubisoft, I have personal side projects. I'm developing a comic book. I'm writing and, and drawing one. It's taken a lot of time, uh, but it's a way for me to express myself through art. Custom knives, Dude. man. So I need to make you a knife sometime. Dude, you know, some nice that's little awesome. Knife. Yeah, I make them out of either horseshoes, old horseshoes, or like high-quality 1095 high-carbon steel. Oh, uh, damn. So I'll have to show you sometime. Yeah, uh, but, dude, that's a whole other conversation. Maybe I'll we'll have to bring you on. We'll just talk about that at some point in the future. There, if you like process, that's, that's a process-heavy project. I'll you <laughs> that. <laughs> so you can follow me on Instagram. It's at uh, Dan Mitri. I, I post all my weird stuff there. So Sweet, man. Cool. Well, thank you guys all for listening and, and joining in. But like I mentioned, I, I've known Dan for years now, and he's always been an incredible dude in the industry that, like, I've really respected all of his work on um, and everything that he's done. So I thought it would be really cool to have a conversation with him for Facebook Audio Room, chat about, you know, some of the past, the Battlefield event, all that good stuff. And, uh, yeah, man, this was great. Thanks so much for joining in. Thank you, David. Really appreciate this. Awesome. And, and great to see everybody joined here. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye.